Welcome to Planet Raconteur, where we who tell stories rule this world. I am Yuck Nasty, and I am your guide into our world that's filled with sights and sounds, both wonderful and frightening. Frightening. Filled with sights and sounds, both wonderful and frightening. This is The Navigator by Christian Roberts. The one thing they all agree about is that I'm insane. Now, they probably warned you about that before they brought you in here. Did they also tell you I used to be the navigator? 30 years, never a mark against my record. At least not until I told them what I found. Oh, and and that's okay. Come up here, sit on my bunk, and I'll tell you all about it. Come on, they're they're not going to let you leave until your time's up, you know? Now, I won't bite if you won't, huh? I know. Listen, cheering up duty is no fun. When I was a young officer, I had to do it, and I hated it too. Ah, there you go. Now settle down and pretend to listen. I'll pretend you're cheering me up. Now, I wasn't the first one to tell them. The proponents of understanding have been saying it forever. But no one really pays attention to them. I mean, what do they really know? But me... With my training and experience, now that was different. It caused quite a commotion when I said we were lost. That's right, lost. Don't look so appalled. The Generation Hope probably missed their destination hundreds of years before you were born. So there's no point crying over it now, okay? The captain was the first to turn against me. Now, what proof did I have, he asks? No navigator ever doubted the ship's course before, which is a true statement as far as the records show. But then the records only go back, what, a few hundred years? Now, there's no telling what happened before. Fact is, we don't even know where the ship came from or when she left. Or hell, even why. Anyway. Why should I have to prove we're lost? Now, shouldn't it be the other way around? How about this? How about you prove we're on course? That's what I told the captain. Now, of course he couldn't prove it. How could he? Our trajectory takes us right off the map about 20 years out. Whatever's beyond that is anybody's guess. Captain claims our whole route is safe inside the navigation database but it's off-limits to us. That our destination is Elysium, a bluish-green planet described in a book in the ship's library. He also says the old records are actually still intact. But for some odd reason, they're off-limits too. Baloney, I say. Why would the ship keep that information from us? Now, shouldn't we at least know when we're due to arrive? He says there's a good reason for it. It's not for us to know. Now, there are lots of things we don't know. Like how the air we breathe is regenerated. How our waste is converted back into nourishment. Hell, where the power to run everything comes from. 
we only know as much as we need for routine maintenance and daily operations. Despite our ignorance about this ship, not one of her systems has ever failed, which is why the captain insists the navigation database is just fine. Uh-huh. He says it's updating the map from its own archives as we progress along the route. There's nothing to worry about, says the captain. But that's ridiculous. Any fool can see we're in uncharted space. The map is being updated as fast as the ship's telescopes collect the data. The database ahead of us is as blank as the map. That's what I concluded after 30 years on the job. What does the captain say? Captain says I was crazy for thinking that way, and he had me locked up in here. The proponents of understanding were outraged. As long as they had someone in the know on their side. It wasn't me who was crazy, they said. The captain was lying. They demanded to see me. Now it was months before the captain finally allowed it. By then, I'd had time to think things over. Now pay attention. This is the important part. I won't be around much longer, and I'm counting on you to remember it. Suppose it's true that we're lost. Hypothetically, if you can't bring yourself to actually believe it, what then? Should we turn around and go back? As far as anyone can tell, the ship has no propulsion mechanism of her own. Some external force must have driven her up to speed and sent her on her way. We could no more change our course than an archer could change an arrow in its flight. Nevertheless, the proponents of understanding want to break into the navigation database so that everyone can see the truth for themselves. It's not enough for them to know the truth. They won't be satisfied till everybody knows the truth. But then, there are truths, and there are truths. Our marvelous spaceship will eventually give out. That's inevitable. Unless some ill-positioned sun or black hole claims her first. What's the point of proving the archer aimed poorly? What good will it do to prove our journey has no destination or even no purpose? Imagine the effect all those poor fools are pinning their hopes on by finding Elysium. I think the original crew understood this when they first realized the ship was irretrievably off course. Now they had a choice. Tell the passengers the awful truth or destroy all evidence of it. Concoct a lie for everyone to believe right up until the end. The proponents of truth didn't see it that way. They changed their minds about me, said I was crazy for thinking like that. A lie is a lie. Better to know the truth no matter what. There's no getting through to them. They'll keep pushing to break into the navigation database until this captain or some other captain finally agrees. He doesn't know any better. And that would be a disaster, the death of hope. It's up to you to make sure it never happens. Do you understand? You have to spread the word to the others. Tell them this. Breaking into the database will throw the ship off course and destroy any chance of ever reaching Elysium. 
Oh, you fell asleep on me, didn't you? Oh, sure, now you start purring. After all that tail switching before, I should have known better than to expect you'd be any help. They wouldn't let you in here otherwise, would they? The end. That was The Navigator by author Christian Roberts, performed by Papa Dave Sincere. The following story teaches us that our dreams can raise us up or kill us dead. This is Narcoleptic Fruit by Paul Jessup. Narcoleptic Fruit by Paul Jessup Golden Boy sat down under the tree of 13 lights and bit deep into the narcoleptic fruit. You could taste the Saturn on the edges of it, that tangy, sour, burnt ozone taste that only comes from Saturn's hanging gardens. He'd only been there twice in his lifetime, and he stared in awe at the lush gardens dangling off the side of the floating cities. The fruit was ripe and haunted by small flies that seemed to get into everything. They were kind of like gnats, but not. They bit and stung and protected the fruit from any predators, including stowaway thieves like Golden Boy himself. He knew what to do, had a chainmail glove and everything. This fruit was worth every single risk he'd taken, and worth every single headhunter in the galaxy looking for his scrambled face. They never found him. He was too smart for that. Too well-connected. He laid back, leaned his head against a tree, bit down once more on the fruit, and let the juices roll up and numb his tongue. Already his lips trembled, his eyes fiercely dilated, tears running down his cheek, and this melancholy fire leapt about in his heart. He would be okay, he just had to endure this a little longer. Once the sleep came on, and came on fierce, the dreams would be vivid and bright and multifaceted. They said they could predict the future. They said it could see routes through space and time that no other pilot could ever imagine. It had wormhole seeds and that clung to your stomach for weeks on end. But the dreams, <laughs> oh, those dreams. He recorded them now, making sure it was sent right back to the cloud server on IO. That was the blessing and the curse of this dream fruit. Once you woke, you always forgot what you dreamed. But if you recorded it, <laughs> oh, if you backed it up, such wild memories would come pouring back. 13 lifetimes across various parallel dimensions and timelines. Various future incarnations, various paths not taken and then taken again, 
you could live a million versions of yourself and each and every one would fall to misery or sorrow. All except for one, that one perfect glorious timeline that was within your reach. All you had to do was dream it, record it, and sit through the whole thing the next day, meticulously keeping track of the different choices and angles and the way each forking path ended. Some people couldn't handle the memories. Sometimes they lost it and killed themselves and refused to believe any of it was true. But Golden Boy knew he could take it. He knew he could steal himself up and peer through each of those memories and find that one, that one shimmering one that worked out. The hard part was watching himself die over and over and over again. He knew he could handle it. He practiced with several VR games and servers, using his own face as an avatar to experience the numbness of his own death. Ah, and here it comes now. Roaring in and powerful. That great sleep tempting to him onwards. Already eyes drooped and images of dancing cats lay behind his lids. They beckoned him forward and he followed. Later on, they would find his body still asleep by the tree. He'd fallen into a coma, the narcoleptic fruit tainted by the gardeners of Saturn, overripened and gnat tainted, filled with those cursed sleeping maggots their venom mixing with the fruit's chemistry and amplifying it a million-fold. They'd known Golden Boy was coming for them, and they had been prepared. Too bad for him that his dream was now an endless cycle of seeing himself in a coma, seeing himself in a coma, seeing himself in a coma. A mirror facing a mirror facing a mirror. After all, there was only one path for his future now. And there was no way he could escape it. Not in any of the other million dimensions where he lay asleep, waiting for his trial and execution. The end. Here at Planet Raconteur, we love leprechauns. And our next story is our new favorite story about leprechauns. Yeah, where we learn that one man's waste is another man's treasure. This is Pine by author Chuck Rothman. Hot by Chuck Rothman. There was no doubt. Green clothing, check. Top hat, check. Red beard, check. Smoking a pipe, check. It was a leprechaun. Arnold couldn't believe his change of luck. Things had been going badly for him lately. 
There were rumors of firings at Burger King, and he knew that Mr. Lawson never liked him in the first place. Sally had broken up with him, hinting that she had grown tired of long walks on the beach and going to Burger King for a treat with a discount. I may not think money is the only thing, she had said, but I would like to do something nice every once in a while. <laughs> and now, the leprechaun. He sat leaning against a tree, looking at the sunset and smoking on his pipe. He was about three feet tall with all the accoutrements of leprechaundom, including a pot of gold. It was small, about the size of a medium soft drink, but even half full, it would leave Arnold sitting pretty. Gold was gold. Arnold moved slowly and carefully until he was only a few yards from his prey. Then he charged. <laughs> it was easier than he imagined. In an instant, he had the little man in his arms. Hey, what the fuck? The little man said in a Texas drawl. <laughs> Arnold dropped him immediately. Sorry, I thought... He wondered what he could say that wouldn't make him look like an utter lunatic. You thought I was a leprechaun. Well... Listen, I'm sick of it. A guy tries to mine his own beeswax, and some yahoo who saw leprechaun suddenly takes it in his mind to attack me. What's leprechaun? It's the worst thing that happened since Darby O'Gill. Or hadn't you heard of that either? Arnold shook his head. The man gave a snort of disdain. Now, if you'll excuse me. But Arnold had replayed the conversation and had grown more than a little suspicious. What's in the pot? What pot? Arnold noticed the drawl had started to drop away. And on reflection, it seemed a little too broad, a little too obvious. He grabbed the man by the arm again. Hey, you little hooligan, what the fuck do you think you're doing? I want your pot of gold. I told you. Yeah, I know what you told me, but leprechauns are tricky. I want that gold. The little man struggled, but Arnold was too strong for him. All right, all right. You can have what's in the pot. All of it? All of it. Is it gold? Well, it's gold-ish. Without letting go of the leprechaun, Arnold reached for the lid. The pot was empty. Where's the gold? Well, I haven't filled it yet. The leprechaun said, his voice now taking on the lilt of Ireland. Damn. I need that gold, and I need it now. Get the gold for me now. All right, all right, I'll fill it, but... Now! Ow! Oh, all right! He pulled the leprechaun's arm back into a hammerlock. Just let me go. Arnold had never felt this strong. So you can run away? No. But I can't with you holding me like this. It was an impasse. Arnold couldn't let go of the man or he would run away, but the leprechaun needed to be free to fill his pot. Arnold reached around and stole the leprechaun's pipe. Hey, I've had that for a century, and it's just broken in properly. You'll get it back when I get my gold. Now fill the pot. You drive a hard bargain, human. Now, if you look away for just a second, I need some privacy. Arnold did what he was asked. Behind him, he heard the leprechaun grunt. <sighs> then the unmistakable sound of a fart. <sighs> A horrible thought came to Arnold. Here, now, give me my pipe. Arnold looked in the pot. 
It was filled with gold that shone like the sunset, but the shape was disturbingly familiar. Before he could react, the leprechaun took his pipe back. Farewell, boyo. Our deal is done. Do you want the pot back? Would you? <laughs> Do I want it back? No. <laughs> the end. Well, there you go. Another trip to Planet Raconteur. On behalf of myself and our other two fine raconteurs, Papa Dave and Bobby Anthem, we would like to thank you for listening. All of the stories presented on Planet Raconteur are used by permission or are in the public domain. Check out the show notes for the details on the authors, their websites, and their other releases. Hey, much love, and thanks again for visiting the Planet Raconteur.